What's up? Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And you might hear Louise rattling around with her little collar. She says hello. <laughs> um, James, how you been? Been good. How about you guys? Been hanging in there. I'm tired. I just want to sit down and eat some ice cream. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. Ooh, yeah. Cinnamon. Cinnamon flavor today, James? Yeah, got greater yeah. cinnamon. That don't need to be a seasonal. That needs to be all year round. Boy, Ooh. you a nut. I yeah. love cinnamon to pieces, but I can't do cinnamon ice cream for some reason. I don't think I've ever had cinnamon ice cream. It's so good. For me, cinnamon <laughs> is supposed to be this warm kind of nope. mm, really? thing to eat. So when I have So cinnamon, can you only have cinnamon toast crunch in the winter? But I'm I. I'm just asking. Listen, hot milk. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are ridiculous. No, it's just it's it's. I think of those little cinnamon candies, those little like little red circular the spicy candies. Ones? Yeah, the spicy ones. My. But do you only eat those in the winter? My maga used to give those to me, so that's what I like. Yeah, we only had those in the winter. They were on little Christmas holidays. I guess they'll keep you warm, huh? Yeah, definitely warm up your mouth. Same with the is it? So you like those? Uh, no, I'm I not say, a particular fan. You don't like fan. anything. You're like, mmm, a little Tabasco sauce, so spicy. Ugh, Alex. <laughs> Listen, I'm very sensitive to spice. James, how much do you like spice? The spice. Uh, I'll use spice for lots of things. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's an, it's important. I everything. Yeah. I don't know. I make curry miso soup. Oh, I made really good uh, soma noodles today. Took uh, half a cup of water and a dissolved miso in it, and and then I added the juice of a whole orange and then I added some hot sauce and some curry powder. Oh man! Oh, and some coconut milk. Man, it was good. Had that with chicken. Ooh. Wow! I would try that. Chef James, you guys. Ooh, it was good. James, he's never cooked for me. I've cooked for him. I've made him uh, play some big. Stouffer's lasagna once. <laughs> That's what you were going to bring up, yeah. Those cookies were really good, though, for Christmas. Thank you. I am. I used to work at a bakery, so I am proud of my cookie skills. You didn't say how much you liked them. So I would, I would he, that back. he texted me and thanked me for them. That was nice. Completely out of the blue, so I think he liked them. What was your favorite mm-hmm. kind of cookie, James? Uh, they were all good, but I had had shortbread in forever, and it really like it was a nostalgic trip because I just hadn't <laughs> had it in a while. Well, you guys, pretty soon I'm going to be selling my cookies online, so <laughs> you can find. Just kidding. I, I wish I could, but I can't. Can you find that at Thirteenth Bakery? Yeah, thirteenthbakery.com. Yeah. Little Bigfoot shaped and Mothman shaped cookies. Oh, that would be go. so much fun. CC's CC's. Cece's cryptic cookies. Cryptic cookies. You know, cryptic I actually cookies. did have an Instagram account devoted to cookie creation, and then I just didn't do anything with it. So what maybe I need to pick that back up. Cornette's cookies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, a little fun tidbit for all of you guys. I really enjoy cookies. Outside of that, um, you know what else I enjoy? Hardy hellos. Hello. Because we've got listeners all over the globe. And you guys, no matter where you're listening, we do want to thank you so much for tuning in. Because um, this podcast really, like, there'd be no point in doing it if uh, if you guys didn't listen. Yeah, <laughs> right? Something, something, sure. tree in the woods. Something, something, one hand clapping. Exactly. James, <laughs> you couldn't put it more perfectly. So today we want to give a super big shout out to a country that I'm always very excited 
when they appear on our wonderful map, and that is Italy. Mm-hmm. Hey, Italy. So. Fettuccine. Alex, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Outside of Italy, we're also going to give a big, big hearty hello to Bulgaria. Where's Bulgaria? Yeah. Bulgaria? Bulgaria. Where's that at? Yeah. It's in Europe. It's in the Balkans. Spatial. It's in the Balkans. I recognize the flag. Man, I want to eat some moussaka now. Mm. Mm, Moussaka. (laughs) And then here in the United States of America, we are going to give a big hearty hello to the wonderful Maryland. Maryland, we always have listeners in Maryland, but you usually aren't one of our top five listening states for the month. So you guys are up there. You guys are like at number two. So thank you so much for tuning in. I wonder if they're snowed in. So they're, you know, they're kind of really not just dipping their toes in, they're diving in. Well, if you are snowed in, I pray that you are keeping warm and that you are being safe and that you've got a nice supply of hot chocolate to help keep your fingers warm. You don't really get snowed in up north, do you? Like, they just kind of tell you to suck it up. Like, yeah, you can't see out your front Pretty door, much, but yeah. dig a yeah, hole I mean, and get to work. There's some states where I'm like, what do you mean you're getting out in this? <laughs> That's a, there, yeah. there are some states, well, here in Georgia, it's like if there's one snowflake that flies through the air. Everybody flips their lid, and I'm just like, come on. Yeah. Half yeah. the city of Atlanta is dead. Everything has ended. I remember. We had to repopulate from there. This was the first winter that I was in Atlanta. There was snow in the forecast. And I drove down to the, to my office uh, for work. And my boss was there. And he was like, what are you doing here? He seemed so worried. And I was like, I'm here for work. And he was like, if the, if the highway shuts down, I'm not driving you home. And I was just like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> and then the next day, there was like a little bit of snow. And Alex and I were hungry, so we went to Taco Bell, but it was closed. And there was no Weird. snow on the roads. Yeah, it was bizarre. But everything shut down. Everything yeah. shut down. So anyways, Marilyn, we hope that you guys are staying safe. And uh, anybody who's snowed in, you guys, send us your beautiful snow pictures because... We don't get snow down here in Georgia, much to my daughter's dismay. All she wants to do is build a snowman. And to build a snowman. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. So, anyways, no matter where you're listening, thank you for tuning in. James, do you happen to know what we're talking about on Patreon this week? Because I do. Nope. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's that time of year again. It's that time where we all need to start thinking about our taxes, you know? Oh, I can't oh. wait to talk about uh, you were going to talk about how to file your taxes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're going to give you a step-by-step walkthrough of TurboTax. Yes. No. I have compiled a list of some of the most interesting ways that the U.S. government has used taxpayer money. Oh, wow. In the past. <laughs> this will so, be funny. Yeah. And sad. <laughs> Bridges to nowhere. It's going to give you all the feels. I'll just say that. So, Patreon subscribers... Thank you for subscribing um, and for your patronage. And stay tuned because we're going to talk about taxes. So what are we talking about today? Like we didn't even really introduce our topic. We've been and we didn't even do the beginning. Did we do an icebreaker? I mean, we're 10 minutes in. We probably don't even need to do one at this point. I think that James wanted to talk about an icebreaker. Oh, James had one? <laughs> yeah, James had one. Was it about which finger we well, will lose? <laughs> well, since we're talking about prosopagnosia, a.k.a. face blindness, um, I was wondering if you've ever had a peculiar 
probably awkward case of mistaken identity before. Oh yeah, definitely. It hasn't been like it's all, it's happened to me there's one incident that I can remember where I encountered somebody in public that I thought I knew and I went up and I said hello to them and then they were just hmm. like who the heck are you? And I don't know <laughs> if maybe I did know them or maybe they were the ones that was were having a fi- facial blind moment, but it was a very awkward situation and it made me I feel bet. very uncomfortable. But yeah, it's it's not a comfortable feeling when you think you know somebody and then they're like, I have no idea who you are. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I've done that before. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think everybody's had that time where they walk up beside, but like they're like with probably some friends and then they walk up to someone and they're like, tap them on the shoulder, hey man. And then they turn around and like, uh. uh <laughs> is there anything the worse than somebody on the phone saying, hey, how are you? And you respond back. And oh, then yeah. they just keep talking on the phone like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I thought I knew someone. And then, and then you have to pretend like you're responding to somebody past them. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, See ya. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. I do, I do know somebody that. They were, I think, at the mall, um, and there was a big mirror, and they saw this mirror, and the, they saw this person s- staring at them, and they started yelling and screaming at them, and then they realized it was themselves. That person um, has a severe case. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't even know if I would call this. that person uh, like so. They, they literally failed the mirror test. They failed the sentience test. So <laughs> it happens. And then they felt like an idiot and they left. I, I bet. Yeah. There's there's literal ants, like the bug that passes the mirror test. And they fail the mirror test. James, my goodness. Hey, Be rude. Okay. Okay. So I think, James, what's your, do you have any? Or did you just have uh, Sure. Yeah. One time I was out and about, uh, I, I think I was actually at the mall. And I was with my twin sister. And she's always walking too fast. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it's like slow down and she'll, she never slows down. So basically I'm get accustomed to a like five foot one straight black hair silhouette. So what ends up happening is I end up finding, catching up with her. I'm going to use air quotes. And so I'm, I'm like talking to this person for a while and they're not answering. They're just nodding. And finally, like I ask them a question and they, they don't answer. I'm like, hey, what's up? And I put my hand on their shoulder and they turn around. It's a totally different person. And it's like, why didn't you say something? <laughs> like I've been talking to you for a while now. It was so weird. I bet you they were walking faster and faster to try to get away from you. So like, I don't know who this is. Very likely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say so as I didn't a get arrested. woman. It is a, a worry. Like sometimes when you're in public, if somebody approaches you and you don't know who they are and you're by yourselves, it is a very uncomfortable situation and you don't yeah. know how to kind of like, do I, what do I do here? So I yeah. bet you anything, James, that woman was probably petrified for her life and was like, what is going to happen right now? Yeah. That's why I try to set people at ease. You know, I usually like when I go out places, especially alone, especially dark places, you know, I usually wear brass knuckles and an I punch women t-shirt. But <laughs> I, I forgot both of those that day. Oh, good Lord. All right. <laughs> I think it's time to move on to our topic. Um, and a special thanks again to Jordan, our wonderful patron and dear friend, yeah. for submitting this topic to us. She wanted us to talk about 
facial blindness. And James, how do you pronounce it? Prosopagnosia. Well, guess what? Google <coughs> says different. This huh? is what Google says. Prosopagnosia. Prosopagnosia. Yeah. I disagree. So, okay, James, mm, whatever. Let's be, let's be real. Google's probably lying to us. Yeah, I mean, that's... Cece, are you taking Google's side over the common man? Yeah, I wonder what Bing would say. <laughs> okay. What would Bing say? What would Bing say? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start us off today, because why not? My sources today are nhs.uk, thecut.com, and scientificamerican.com. So... I, got, I feel like I got the easiest topic out of all of these because I'm going to be giving everybody just an explainer as to what prosopagnosia, a.k.a. facial blindness, is. And it's a neurological disorder. And people who have it can't recognize people's faces. So that sounds pretty, pretty straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. One thing that really surprised me when I was doing my research was how this might be more common than most people even realize. But... One of the things that really brought this disorder to the forefront of the public knowledge was a, a book by a neurologist named Oliver Sacks, and he lived with this disorder, and he wrote a book in 1985 called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. He oh, also, right. Yeah, he also shared his account of what it was like living with this in, I think it was a New Yorker article, but it was some type of article and then after that, people were started coming forward and saying, hey, you know, I have the same thing that happens to me. And now it's something that a lot of people, I wouldn't even say are really aware of because there are a lot of people who probably have no idea that they might have some degree of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there are different degrees of seriousness when it does come to facial blindness. Like some people might not be able to easily distinguish the faces of acquaintances, somebody that they don't necessarily know very well oh. or somebody that they've just met, which isn't, you know, too crazy to think about. I feel like everybody's done that at least once. And then some people with more serious cases might have trouble identifying the faces of their loved ones and their family members Ooh. or themselves, much like your pal Alex who was <laughs> yelling at himself in a mirror. So some people have much more serious degrees of this, which it can be very troubling, <laughs> uh, not too surprisingly. And there are two different underlying causes so far, because there's not a crazy amount of stuff that is known about this, but it is something that is being researched and we're learning more about it all the time. But first is developmental prosopagnosia, which means somebody just kind of grew up with it and never acquired the skill to distinguish between faces and it could be that they were just born that way. So if somebody falls into this particular category of cause, they might not even realize that recognizing faces is a skill that they don't have. I kind of think about it like colorblindness. Like if you've grown up colorblind your entire life, you right. might not even realize that you're colorblind until something <laughs> happens and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I can't see green, you know? Yeah, it's usually like a test or something like that catches it. Well, but yeah. Because yeah, uh, uh, otherwise, you just you never know. It's it's so it's so crazy. It is. It's bananas. But people who fall into this category, they usually figure out different ways to cope with their lack of this skill. So instead of like recognizing people by their face, for example, they might figure out how to recognize people by their voice. 
So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's that's Alex. I I recognize his voice. I know that that's Alex. And so in their brain, they know who you are because they hear your voice, but Ooh. they don't know your face. It's bizarre. And with the developmental prosopagnosia, there might actually be a genetic component, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a, a little while, but it does tend to run in families. Ooh. So there's that type. And then the second type is acquired prosopagnosia, which is when somebody happens to have some type of trauma uh, occur to their brain. So they might have a stroke, they might have head trauma, um, but something has happened to their biological build that is affecting the way that they can recognize faces, Mm. which doesn't sound too crazy to me. For a very long time, that's what scientists thought was the leading cause of facial blindness and then they started to realize oh no more people have this like children have this and so right now developmental prosopagnosia is far more common than acquired oh. so yeah overall how do people cope with this you might be thinking because it's actually it's not the easiest thing to treat bless you louise yeah louise you may have heard a sneeze on this podcast it was true so <laughs> i was wondering what that was <laughs> she sneezed but there are some real rehabilitation methods for people who might have experienced brain trauma. But for developmental cases, sometimes practicing makes perfect. So they might have various exercises that they do in order to study. Like they have to really study somebody's face in order to figure out, okay, this is what this looks like and this is what that looks like. So yeah, there are certain exercises that some people can do to help. But most of the time people will develop alternative ways for identifying people like through speech or clothing or the way that a person walks. So the issue that pops up with that though, is if they're using a different kind of way to identify a person, like say for instance, their um, hair color, for example, what if you run into that person outside of where you normally see them? So context is actually very important for some of these cases and I, I think about it, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about Alex's mom, for example, okay? She does not have prosopagnosia, but she knows everybody in the world, is what it seems like. So whenever we go to Bowling Green, I'm telling you, James, we cannot go anywhere with Kathy without <laughs> her seeing somebody she knows and us having to stop for at least 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, if this were her and she did have that... Let's pretend that she knows Susie from work. And she's like, okay, Susie teaches in room 11 and she's got curly blonde hair. I know Susie because that's where I see her every day. And then she's out shopping at Target and Susie approaches her. And Susie is no longer in classroom 11. She's still got her her curly blonde hair, but maybe she's wearing a hat. So it's not as distinguishable. Then Kathy might not have any idea who this person is. And it creates a very awkward situation because she's like, hi, like, you know, I can only imagine I feel so, so bad for people who do run into this because it's like, how uncomfortable would that be sitting and talking to somebody in public that you're like, I don't know who this is. I have no idea who this is when in reality, this person does know you. Mm. Can you imagine? That's crazy. But yeah, for someone with a severe case of facial blindness, it can cause a lot of stress. Not not surprisingly. Right. Yeah. And people with prosopagnosia may also suffer from depression, 
because uh, it can be a challenge forming legitimate connections with people if you know you're trying to make friends but you can't remember what any of your friends look like. So it can be very isolating. Oof. And another thing that I never thought about, Alex, if you had this, it would really bother you. A lot of people with prosopagnosia have trouble watching television shows and movies because they can't recognize the characters. They don't mm -hmm. know the faces of the characters to know kind of what's going on because everybody looks the same. Oh. I so, wonder if, if animation has an effect on that. I don't know. Interesting, James. That's a very interesting thought. I didn't see anything on that, so now I want to look into it. I would... Oh, that's so... Yeah. You've got Alex. His... his we got uh, to wow. do a study. My wheel, my wheel gotta, is we gotta, spinning. We got to call what? us a university and be like, hey, I got a study for you. <laughs> Anime and prosopagnosia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was particularly interested in reading some accounts of what it's like to have facial blindness because I, I don't have facial blindness. And so for me, I'm like, what do people like this have to go through on a daily basis? And I found a really interesting article in the cut.com I mentioned earlier. Um, but I read the account of a woman who has prosopagnosia and she talked about how for the longest time when she was growing up, she thought that she was just stupid because she could not remember mm -hmm. anybody and it would cause awkward, you know, situations when you're out in public and somebody's like, oh, hey, uh, Cindy, what's up? And you're just like, I have no idea who you are. So people thought that she was rude. It run through, ran through her family, though. She thinks that her grandfather had it. Well, he's just sneezing a lot, you guys. Uh, she thought that her grandfather had it and then that her mother had it and then all of her brothers had it. So, wow. Um, wow. so definite genetic component. But she said that she got into... Family reunions must have been weird. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> But she had a situation where she was in college and she had this teacher that was just so dull and boring and just an awful lecturer. And after oh, class, no. she started talking to somebody and said, our teacher is just, you know, she stinks. She's the worst lecturer ever. It was the teacher that she was talking to. She thought she was talking to oh. a classmate. So she oh, had to drop that man. class. I'm just like, that that would be so terrible. Can you imagine? Oh no! I'm I'm literally getting like secondhand mortification. <laughs> well, you know, it actually makes me wonder. Okay, because there have been situations where I have gone up to people and been like, "Hey, what's up?" Like, kind of talked about earlier, and they're like, "I have no idea who you are." What if they had prosopagnosia? And then this mm -hmm. also makes me wonder. My old chiropractor could not remember me. Every time I went, uh, oh yeah. What if he had prosopagnosia? Mm. We, he he would call me Alex, and he wow. Yeah, he would call me Alex. Recognizes people by the cracking of their backs. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, but he called me Alex, and then he also for the longest time, and this is why I ultimately ended up leaving his practice. <laughs> um, after I had Gwen, because he he treated me when I was pregnant. After I had Gwen, I started going back to him like five months after I had Gwen. And he told me, I look, you look excellent for being pregnant. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> I am not, I'm not <laughs> pregnant anymore. So, but yeah, it made me wonder. I was thinking about that, Alex, as I was doing my research. I'm like, what if Dr. JJ had prosopagnosia? Um, he might. He very well might. <laughs> he, very, he very well might. He very well might. I wish the best for Dr. JJ. Um, but anyways, another thing that this this woman said in this article is that in order to identify her children in public, she would have to take a picture of them before they went out 
so that she would remember what clothes they were wearing. Oh, oh wow. So, that's tough. I know. And that's got to be so scary going out in public. She said that she had super social, uh, or I guess anxiety out in public because you go out with your mom, you go out with your family, and if you get separated from them, what do you do? So she also mm-hmm. shared a story about how she was at a theme park with her family and she, they were late. They showed up late and she's just sitting out front. She's steaming hot, like waiting for them to arrive. And then it turns out that they were there like for 20 minutes and they were sitting like 15 feet apart and they just didn't realize that they were both there at the same time because mm-hmm. they didn't recognize the faces. So Ultimately, I guess what I'm really getting at here is that there are a lot of unexpected consequences to this that somebody who doesn't have facial blindness would not even necessarily think about because I think that a lot of us take the ability to recognize faces for granted. So this was a very eye-opening topic for me, and it made me wonder, how is the pandemic affecting the way that people are recognizing faces but since everybody's wearing masks now. Mm. So, you know, there's there's been a lot of research into how it's affecting children with their ability to recognize faces. And a lot of children are having trouble recognizing faces. So I can only mm. imagine how tough this has got to be for somebody who does have prosopagnosia and might identify somebody just by the shape of their mouth or the, the way that they move their face. So a lot of, a lot of interesting interesting uh, things to think about. But James, I am going to pass the torch over to you because you're talking about how biologically we became able to recognize faces and the importance of it, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Human beings, and it's funny, we, we talked about this in the last Patreon, human beings are hyper social creatures. And there's a lot of ways that social creatures identify one another, but no species on earth that I'm aware of is as reliant on visual acuity for social purposes quite so much as human beings. So case in point, if we look at other social animals, like a lot of uh, rodents that live in small communities, they go a great deal on chemoception or smell as we would call it and so do a lot of social insects ants bees wasps they go tremendously on chemical cues that's sort of a big thing and when they do use vision it's usually just to distinguish not so much between individuals as much as it's just to distinguish any kind of anomaly like you know the difference between for example the queen and a worker which that's pretty easy to do because it's a question of scale So most social animals rely on a variety of senses and smell is a big one. But humans being primates, visual acuity was very important to our evolution in general. Because if you look at primates, they're they're unique in the sense that they have two eyes in front of their face. And that's a peculiarity among a creature that in every other physiological sense is largely herbivorous. Let's, Let's say opportunistically herbivorous. But the reason for that is because being primates, being in arboreal and in treetop settings, having good depth perception and having good visual acuity is the difference between going from one branch to another and going from one branch to thinking you've got another and missing it and falling 
and breaking several bones and dying. Hmm. So depth perception was a huge part of, of just human visual evolution. Color perception was a huge part of mammal evolution to avoid predators and, and also to identify safe things to eat again, going hand in hand with that opportunistic herbivore thing. The difference in very slight shades on berries can be the difference between uh, toxic and healthy. So all those things culminated with human beings. And then you add to that the hyper social component. The fact that, again, we as a species have developed a myriad of abstractions just to, to create systems where our social behaviors can be even more advantageous. Case in point would be the whole concept of nations and currency and careers and things like that, that if if you could talk to any other animal on earth, they would be like, I have no idea what any of that is. <laughs> <laughs> so you, when you when you add all those things up, our sense of smell is not so great. Um, using sense of touch to identify other human beings would be extremely difficult. Using other senses with the exception of hearing is difficult. And that's one of the ways that we do identify people. We're very good at identifying people by voice. The problem with that is you would have to be consistently listening to a person to know who they were if, if, if you didn't have an immediate visual identifier. And that's not unfeasible, but it's just not nearly as convenient as being able to make those determinations at a glance. You know, it's funny, like even our language is very geared towards visualization. Have you noticed that? Why won't they see things my way? Well, think of it from my point of view. Like we use language in a way, even though we're, we're, we usually, when we use language, we're using it in an auditory sense. And yet when it comes to our perception of the world and our place in it, we use a lot of loaded visual words. And that's because we're very visual creatures. And so when you compile those two facts about us, that we had to be very, very, very visually oriented, and we had to be very, very, very social as a species, then from there, it starts sort of uh, snowballing to an inevitability that being able to identify faces sort of became an immediate evolutionary advantage to the point that it utterly dominated our species. And that's why only 2% of people have face blindness, generally speaking. And one thing I would like to point out that sort of dovetails with that is you, you covered that, you know, there's, there's genetic correlations and there are uh, developmental correlations and, and, we're probably in the next five years going to get a lot of data <laughs> based on the developmental one. But one peculiar thing that, that surprises me when it comes to incidences of face blindness is a handful of things that we don't necessarily think about that are very disadvantageous in many respects, but you don't just immediately associate it with face blindness. One example of this would be people on the autistic spectrum quite often have difficulty uh, reading faces. And more dramatically, people with Williams syndrome, which is a, a very dramatic developmental disorder, um, they, they tend to also have face blindness. And, and even more dramatic, Turner syndrome. And this is the one that interests me the most. Turner syndrome is a... Endocrinological 
issue. It's where a, a female is born with just one X chromosome. And so it has a host, it being a chromosomal disorder, host of, of issues, underdeveloped uh, ovaries, infertility, lack of periods, uh, stunted growth. I mean, I mean, dramatically stunted. But what's interesting about it, and I don't really know if a lot has been done researching it. Here we go. We, we got another one that we need to call a college about is <laughs> because it has a lot of problems heart and kidney problems, tons and tons of problems. And yet why this would cause face blindness as a common issue is not very well understood if, if understood at all. Um, And the only reason I went on that little sidetrack is just because it does interest me. Uh, I I know somebody who had Turner syndrome. And so uh, I didn't realize that that was a symptom yeah, yeah, cool. it's it's not universal, but it is often associated with the condition. So interesting. Yeah, huh. but let's talk a little bit about the fact that human beings are, uh, you know, we've, I've talked briefly about the K versus R selection, and human beings are very, 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 very K selected creatures. That means that we have very few offspring, and we invest a lot in them, and for that reason more so than just about any creature on earth, human infants are quite helpless. They, I mean, just the complete opposite of of an R-selected animal. You know, many R-selected animals, they can walk minutes after being born. And in some cases, they instinctively have all the comprehension that they need to uh, survive into adulthood. Whereas in the case of humans, we need to learn a lot of things. And I've mentioned before that, Facial recognition is is something that is partially learned through exposure, as well as the fact that language is instinctive, all those phonemes, but babies have to hear the language that they're going to learn so they can pare it down and start taking those phonemes and combining them to create words and sentences and so on. Well, similarly, and there have been studies done with monkeys, again, a very visual social creature uh, like us. I mean, really the evolutionary pressures are real similar, except for the whole, you know, abstract societal stuff that I've previously mentioned jobs and whatnot, but they actually uh, trained the uh, monkeys, very young ones to recognize symbols that monkeys normally shouldn't have any kind of evolutionary pressure to understand. For example, uh, Arabic numerals, that's, that's something we made up, and yet they they started uh, teaching them these things. And when they did, they they did fMRI scans of their brains, and lo and behold, the wiring had changed in a way that showcased that these these patches in in the mind of these monkeys had been altered so that they could understand spatially those symbols and and have room for comprehension of them. And the reason why that's such an important discovery is it showcases that when it comes to recognizing human faces from an evolutionary standpoint, it really is about 50-50 nature and nurture. There's clearly a biological component that is hardwired, but at the same time, exposure to faces is imperative for both recognizing them and for being adept at understanding expressions and, and the nuances of, of that nonverbal communication. Hmm. So that's all I got. 
I know that's a sudden drop off cliffhanger. Well, no, it's very interesting. Like having a child, it's been quite an adventure just seeing how she kind of recognizes emotion. And Mm. it's, it's a very interesting thing to think about. Mm. But anyways, Alex, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm going to be kind of in line with, with uh, both of you a little bit, you know, you know, we all got a little dose of what the face blindness means, right? And what can cause it. Uh, but I wanted to go over what I would call adjacent disorders that can occur when similar areas of the brain are damaged, or sometimes it might just be from birth um, and something that you just never learned. Uh, but real quick, you know, CC, you did talk a lot about the awkwardness and what can you know, the social consequences of not being able to see faces. Yes. And mm-hmm. one of the things that's really affected from that is memory. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of us just use people's faces to lock things up in our minds. And we just don't, We like you say, we take for granted how much we look at objects and immediately just store it away. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so... People with this are going to have problems with their memory a lot of times uh, because there's just no, there's nothing really to cling on to. And like you said, they have to stick to these secondary traits that like you said, uh, like their clothes, even their size, Mm -hmm. and even their overall demeanor can change between meetings. You know, someone could be shedding weight and that person could not recognize them. So there's a lot of things that, can really affect somebody with this that uses these secondary traits to identify someone because those are temporary for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people change sizes. A lot of people, you know, some people change clothes. Did you know that? <laughs> but um, now I don't think any of the topics I am going over are really as difficult on the person socially, maybe as losing the perception of faces. Now, I think some people might disagree with that, but we'll we'll see. I want to know what you all think after I get done with this. Um, So first up is achromatopasis. It's achromatopasia. Achromatopsia. I'm going to call it that, which is total color blindness. Total So you just see everything in gray, black, and white? That's exactly right. Mm. Yeah, so er there are no colors. You don't have, like, the incomplete version of this, which is, like, you know, when you can't see red or green or something like that. Which is what most people think of when they think of colorblindness. Exactly. So So these people have, like, no cones in their eyes? There is. Well, there's cones in there. They just don't work. Okay. Um, So so Mm. in this case, like, like you said, it's black, white, and shades of gray. Uh, and what's interesting is that another trait that could easily occur with someone that has this um, is that you could be completely blind in the full sunlight. Oh, wow. So only in lighting that is not direct sunlight can you see. But if you step out into the sun, you're blind. Wow. Isn't that That's nuts? dreadful. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 crazy, and there's there's other things that go hand in hand with this um, disorder as well, uh, such as 
nystigmas, which is, I think, what sounds a lot like astigmatism in a lot of way. And I, I actually think, thought that might have been what you were saying. Well, and, and, <laughs> I and, like, and, and I think it they are related because it is involuntary eye movement, but it's a lot of involuntary eye movement. Okay. So it gives it's really hard for people to see really clearly. Um, and then there's also ambilopia, a.k.a. the lazy eye. Which is just the brain not being able to send all the signals that it's supposed to to one eye. That's what okay. causes that usually. Is what a just, weird term for it. I didn't realize this what it was called because I think that means like walking eye. <laughs> I think that's what it means. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Um, so another item that <laughs> item, another disorder that it can occur uh, in the brain around where prosopagnosia occurs is called hemianospia, which is when you lose vision in your left eye. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I thought this would be kind of cut and dry, right? Because when we think about this, we think, you know, when you lose vision in your left eye, you lose vision in your left eye. But no. There are some weird versions of this disorder uh, mm. that can happen from, I mean, from birth, but also injury as well. Now, you can have homonymous hemianosposia, uh, which cuts out the left side view, but it's not just your left eye. It can cut out the left side of both eyes. What? Mm. Yeah, so both eyes can have the left side cut out. So you're just seeing the right side you of the, your... Of both eyes. I can't oh even man, like no. Fathom no, no, that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? And then there's also heteronymous version, which means the opposite eyes see the corresponding versions of both sides. So so if you're looking straight, the outside version, the outside of your eye is seeing, but the inside is not. Oh my god. Or there's a reverse of that where you see all the inside near your nose is seeing and the outside is not. This is stressing. I don't have me any out. of these things, and yet this <laughs> makes me want bionic eyes. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, there's one thing like I am totally for like, in terms of like implementing us into not pe- or putting robotics into people. And there, there's a few things actually, but eyes, I'm totally <laughs> down for robotic eyes for people. I just yeah. think it's um, one of those things that a lot of us take for granted that we don't even really think about. Hardly ever until something happens. Because I once had an optical migraine after I had Gwen. And it was one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. Because all of a sudden, it's like my vision in my left eye was nothing. It looked like waves. Like it was oscillating. And I was like, what is happening to me? And I thought that something really serious was happening. But it turned out to just be an optical migraine. So... And, And there are even versions that are like in between. That like meet in the middle. And then there's even quadratinopia which is like a quarter vision and it it's just it get it gets nuts <sighs> but it but there's even some other interesting versions of hemianospecia which is um it's called visual neglect what is that and um it's it's got a few names so it's visual neglect hemispatial neglect or unilateral spatial neglect and this is really strange but maybe not so strange when you think about people in public. But some people, despite being able to see everything around them, mm. 
are unable to process certain elements of that information. Uh, so they effectively just are blind to certain things and unaware. Well, like, I think that's so, me then. Yeah, I don't notice people in public just because I'm not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, and I, well, I mean, and like, you know, and some people just don't pay attention, right? Like, sometimes yeah, I think people like, I mom. said hi to you and you walk right by me like I was a stranger. Like, I didn't know anybody was there. I was just walking around. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I was doing my research today, I did actually think of your mom. Oh, yeah? yeah well, yes. I, th- I thought about her with this one. And then <laughs> it's kind of funny, James, that you mentioned that you might have the, the last one because this one sounds a lot like something that a certain man that rhymes with mames uh, <laughs> has. And that is this disorder of topographical disorientation, uh, a.k.a. I get lost a lot, a.k.a. Yeah. James. I get lost <laughs> always. I never know where I am. This this disability is when someone lacks the ability to assess spatial information like landmarks. Oh. Uh, and this can sometimes be caused by lesions on the brain. James. <laughs> but it could also just be from birth. Um, now, <laughs> what's worse is that training doesn't, it, it can help a little bit, but it doesn't really seem to solve it in a lot of ways. Mm. Like you can be trained. A bit, but you know, these are this is kind of a lifelong disorder for a lot of people, <laughs> James, which uh, which would be d- uh, called developmental topographical disorientation, which is you know, without the brain damage, but just always able to get lost, like they are unable to create a mental map of places. It's just they just can't. Oh, that's do it. me. That's, that's well, about- I remember James when we went to the screenwriters convention together. Uh, I was afraid to leave you by yourself because I was worried that you wouldn't be able to find me. So yeah. we stuck and together. Those are well-founded concerns. <laughs> yeah, that, it's so interesting, James. Because and now they say that this is not to be confused with having a bad sense of direction, but like rather it's actually like, something. Like these are people that can get lost uh, in in their neighborhood, or even yeah. like sometimes even in their house. James. Yep. <laughs> James, you get lost in your own house? No, but I get lost at the mall that I've been going to since I was a kid. Oh my, yeah, you for you might have. You, I think you definitely. Do have I think it's acquired because I have synesthesia, and like growing up when we were in the car, there was always music playing, so I was always looking at the music instead of my surroundings. Interesting, James. So it might be of your own doing. Tell tell people what synesthesia is. Oh, James, are or, you there? Or whatever that word was. Did James disappear? My God, no, he got lost. Oh, my God. oh no, his topographical. Oh, he's back. He's back. He's back. <laughs> oh, you he got, got. Oh, that was. He that lost was the cruel. microphone, and he started wandering <laughs> around. And he found his. He found his way back. <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> 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 but James, tell everybody what synthesia is, just in case they are not sure. aware. It's a, what, the fusion of two senses, and in my case, auditory and visual. So uh, there are corresponding colors in association with different sounds, in other words. What's the most beautiful sound color? Um, uh, There's a lot of pretty sounds, but uh, 
jazz is really pretty. There's a lot of blues and violets quite often. And and wrong answer. Down with the sickness by <laughs> no. Disturbed. Wrong answer, James. You should have said it was my voice. Oh. Uh, well, mm. he didn't want to lie to you. No, James is sitting there thinking her voice is like the ugliest color brown I've ever seen. It's <laughs> like a pink soup. Oh, well. I, like- I will say Roy Orbison has a really um, colorful, pretty voice. And Don McLean's voice is basically clear. It's like a crystal. It's amazing. I love Roy Orbison. What color are Louise's sneezes? <laughs> they are a disjointed uh, spike of of browns and blacks and grays. Browns and blacks and grays. Okay, now I want to know what color is my voice. Uh, it actually varies tremendously. I'd <gasps> say like if there was a single um, dominant color, it would probably be teal. Oh, James, that makes me so happy for some reason. <laughs> and do you have a color for your own voice? No. In fact, I don't perceive it at all. Interesting. What? Well, James, I've, I learned something new about you today. I knew that you had <laughs> synesthesia, but it's just interesting to hear more about it. But J- Alex, did you have any other uh, items to talk about? No, was that was it. I just really wanted to end on making fun of James a little bit. <laughs> Hello. Oh, man. Dang. <laughs> Oh, no, James, we love you. But, hmm. yeah, you do get lost quite a bit. Which, I do. Yeah. You have to tie a rope on him when you go anywhere with him. <laughs> you got to put one of those little backpacks on him with, like, the long monkey tail, like the monkey backpack. That you- <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, fortunately, you do not have to do that with James. But, James, I was. When we went to the screenwriters convention, I was legitimately worried that you would get lost and I wouldn't be able to find you or you wouldn't be able to find me. <laughs> So I could just picture you like going down a staircase and then I'd be like, where did he go? There's, there's been times where I've driven places and gotten lost and just thought, well, I wonder how much it would cost to just live here. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new home. James goes to Disney World and they have to call his family to come find him at the desk. <laughs> oh my God. Love- yeah, oh, wow. man. Well, James, I'm glad that you haven't gotten lost and that you're still here on this podcast with us. So, mm, you guys, that too. is prosopagnosia, a.k.a. facial blindness. We hope that it was as eye-opening for you guys as it was for us, just because I had no idea about hardly any of this prior to Jordan submitting this topic. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. very interesting. Your eye-opening pun was a little insulting. <laughs> um, I know you didn't mean to do it on purpose. Oh, but no, it's it's an interesting thing. Yeah. It's something that my heart goes out to anybody who has these severe cases and For they real. can't even identify their families. Okay, let me go grab the V's. Hold this, please. Oh, God. No wonder there's so many different colors that James sees when you make all these sounds. Listen, listen. I'm getting to the point in my pregnancy where I'm having trouble, like, standing up like you should have seen me earlier, Alex. When I put our ice cream in the uh, freezer, I had to squat down to put it in, and I couldn't get back up. Sorry, Mm -hmm. I threw my back out. Yeah, we both. We're both having trouble over here, James. Alex, it's time. Can you pick a topic out of this vase? I didn't even let you finish. I grab one from the dead center. Dead center. After okay. Tossing it around. What are we bit. talking about next week? Ooh, uh, we're talking about weather manipulation. And I mm. this is submitted to us by Carson in Texas. I feel like we've talked about weather manipulation before. Mm. 
but you know, there's some, some items, some things going on right now that some conspiracy theorists are like, Hey, Oh, that's true. Hey, I have seen this talked about a little bit lately going on. So mm. we can probably talk about something like, I don't know, harp. That's what it's called. James, right? Yeah. Look at you two. Just so knowledgeable. Wow. Yes. Well, my dear brother, um, he's he's texted me and asked me questions about it, so I looked into it a little bit. But you know, All right. Don't harp on it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look into it more for next week and report back to you guys on weather manipulation. Is it possible? Ooh. Okay. You got anything oh, else, James? Li- yeah, listen. I just, want, I just want to have a conversation with James. I just like talking to James. We Get talked to him at the beginning. I'm sick of James. Let's wrap it up. All right, you guys. <laughs> Do you have anything that you want to say before we sign off? Just that our music is by Grant Cook. You can find it on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. Yes. And Grant, congratulations on your chi- or the arrival of your child. Which is coming up soon, or I guess the upcoming arrival of your child. Yeah, probably be here expecting. by the time this episode goes out. Yeah, it could be. Close. So, anyways, yeah. Well, you guys, thank you for tuning in. Until next week, we hope that you can keep it strange. Oh,